0: But anyways, like Chuck said, my name is Jordan Griffith. I'm the Next Gen Director here, and it's my honor and privilege to get to give you today's message. Today we are going to be talking about peace. What is peace? It's one of our candles in the Advent, count, in the Advent uh, candles. But we're going to be talking about peace, and so as we do that, we're going to open up today with the Word. And so if you'd like to, turn your Bibles, apps, whatever you have, turn it to 1 Luke 1, 26-38. I've got to read a lot. I'm just going to apologize in advance. But it's Luke 1, 26 through 38. And since we're starting out our Christmas season, we're going to start out in the story of Jesus and the the foretelling of his birth. So like I said, Luke 1, 26 through 38. I'm going to read it, so just bear with me. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for God has found favor with you. You will, be con- you'll have, you will conceive and give birth to the son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high, the Lord God will give him the throne of the ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the baby will be born and will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant. In her old age, people used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son. And now in the sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Now this is the foretell story of Jesus. An angel comes down to Mary, who's roughly anywhere between 13 and 15 years old, and says, you're going you're to be a mom. You're going to be a mom, and not only that, but you're going to be a mom of the most high king. I don't know how to find peace in that. Not initially. I, I've never been a 13, 15-year-old girl, uh, but I imagine if I was one and someone told me, because I'm a next-gen pastor, I deal with middle schoolers, and I can look at 13, 15-year-old middle schoolers, and I'm just like, Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'd be so worried. I'd be, fair, I'd be fearful for them. But since today we're talking about peace, I'm going to start you off with this. When you stop and think beyond your own circumstances, you can have peace. When you stop and think beyond your own circumstances, you can have peace because that's what Mary does. Now, peace. What is it? How do we get it? We hear this word peace a lot. We sometimes have an understanding of what it is or what it could be. But what truly is peace? Well, first off, let's start off with what is not peace. What is not peace? Fear. Fear is not peace. When you have fear in your life, you do not have peace in it. Anxiety, anxiousness, worry. When these take over your heart, Peace does not resign in it. Conflict, confusion, disturbed. If you remember in the start, Mary was confused and disturbed. She wasn't peaceful at the beginning of this. Like, what is this angel saying? I don't understand. These are things that are not peace. But now let's talk about something that we think peace is. What is peace? Well, for some, Normally what peace can look like is a vacation. I know me and my wife just got the privilege to go up to our in-laws' cabin up in the mountains and just get away from reality. Just be able to run away, leave life problems behind, go up to the mountains in nature, and it's just, it's peaceful. Maybe peace for you is when the kids finally all go to sleep at night and everything's quiet. Maybe peace for you is on a beach You got your toes in the sand, sitting in a chair, hearing the ocean waves, sun just cooking your skin. Peace for me growing up was thunderstorms. I grew up in Texas. We have a lot of tornadoes and really bad thunderstorms. and I used to love waking up in the morning and just hearing the crackling of thunder and lightning and just laying in bed. And it's just peaceful. It's calm. Whatever you think of when I say the word peace, you normally think of what that is. You internalize it. But see, all of those situations I just described to you is what's known as temporary peace. That's all it is. It's temporary. Because eventually, when you come back from vacation, it's back to reality. Eventually, your kids wake up, and they run around the house screaming for breakfast and dumping the toy box and just chaos. My son woke up this morning at like 4 a.m., coming to climb in room, ready to go throughout his day. He got a sleepover last night, they didn't get to bed till like 10, and they all woke up at four ready to go. It was just not that peaceful. The sun eventually sets, the thunderstorm eventually passes. These things that we call peace is just temporary. So it leaves the question, what is peace? What is it truly? Well, see the Bible has many things about peace. And one of the things when you go to Bible college and you go and you study about all this stuff, um, you do these things called word papers. Essentially what it is is you take one word and you write a 15 to 20 page paper on that one word. And there's a handful of those words throughout the Bible and peace is one of them that you could just write endless papers about to cover the mass majority of what it is. Peace is actually in the Bible over 400 times. Peace is something that everyone on here on earth is seeking Peace is something that Jesus can bring to us. Peace is a greeting. Peace be with you. Peace is also a title. Jesus is the prince of peace. And peace is also a fruit of the spirit. When you have a relationship with Jesus and he resides in you, it's one of your fruits that you bear is peace. Now the one thing scary about peace that the Bible talks about is that there is such thing called fake peace. Now I not know about y'all, but I already got to deal with temporary peace and now I got to deal with fake peace. I'm looking for true peace but the Bible talks about fake peace in Jeremiah 6:14. In Jeremiah's days, the religious leaders dealt only with the symptoms of the nation's problems without addressing the sinful root of the crisis. These false prophets declared that everything was well with God and Israel. Peace, peace, they said. But there was no real peace. So how do we We're not even real true clear what peace is. How do we how do we find true peace when there's false peace out there, when there's temporary peace? What does that look like? And that's what we're gonna be covering today is how to find peace. Now there's three situations, and only three, that you're looking for peace in: peace before a situation, peace during a situation, and peace after a situation. Those are the three pieces you're looking for before, during, and after. We're going to start off with peace before a situation. Now, see, everyone does this peace before a situation. Everyone in this room, I guarantee it, promise you, some of y'all already do peace before a situation. Raise your hand if you lock your door at night before you go to sleep, lock your car. Before I got married, I never locked my door, locked my car. My wife likes me to lock the door at night. It gives her a state of peace. So I lock the door. What about for those who have kids or had kids or nieces and nephews? When you send them out to go ride their skateboards or their bikes or their motorcycles, what do you make them wear? Helmet. Why? Because it gives you a sense of peace that they're protected. This is peace. Maybe, uh, I don't know what this feels like, but you have a little extra money in the bank account? that gives you a sense of peace. Knowing you got a little coin put back, so if anything was to happen. And then everything else, insurance. We all get insurance, whether it's life insurance, home insurance, automobile insurance. You get insurance because even one of the insurance slogans, name, I can't remember the name of the company, but it's, we'll give you peace at mind. So every single one of us in this room and joining us online and whoever hears this message has done stuff before a storm for peace but is that truly peace because see peace come this peace comes from a preparation that you are preparing for something to go wrong is what it is you're preparing for something to go wrong so you're doing something to give you peace in it now i had the honor to serve four years in the united states marine corps and out of those four years i spent one year in afghanistan before we go to Afghanistan, you have to go through all your training, all of your stuff. You have to get like 13 different shots in your arm, your tuchus, everywhere. You just stand in line, needle, 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 just to make sure that you, don't, you have a little bit of peace when you go over there. You have to go to the gas chamber where they make you put on a gas mask and they fill it with this pepper toxic gas that's just miserable. It makes you cough and sneeze and drool and it's horrible, but they, they make you go through it so you can have a little bit of peace when your gas mask on. You trust it. You know It works. So we're getting ready to go to Afghanistan. As we're getting ready to go to Afghanistan, we have to go through our arms training. So, you know, we all go to the armory, get our guns, go line out to the range. And there's one thing they teach you in the Army, or in the Marine Corps, any armed forces, or any gun safety. There's a firing line. And when you're on the firing line, you do not step in front of the fire line, because then you're at risk of being shot. And then also on this firing line, you do not step behind it, because now you're at risk at shooting somewhere else. They beat this into your head over and over and over again to make sure that you understand this. Don't stand in front of it. Don't stand behind it. Even if you just grew up in the woods shooting guns and your parents taught you gun safety, they always taught you, stand next to me. If I'm not shooting, stand in front of me. Now they teach you this and then one week later, as the government loves to do, they say, hey, I know I told you a rule, but guess what? We're making a new one up. So we do this new training and it's called a moving fire drill. And in this moving fire drill, what happens is you get there and you have your gun and you throw rounds down range. And as you're throwing rounds down range, a person is running 10 yards in front of you, dives down to the prone, and then they start shooting. When they start shooting, you get up, run past them and dive down. This is the first time in the service that you have bullets flying by your head within five to 10 feet. Now I know about y'all, but having bullets fly right by your head, knowing that they're flying right by your head, isn't essentially a peaceful situation. So what they did first, our instructor came to us, is that everybody pair up with your friend, everybody pair up with your battle buddy. Mine, his name was Ricky Snyder. He was my friend all throughout Afghanistan, hanging out, he's still my friend today. But you'd line up and we'd run through the drill. And I just remember looking at him like, do not shoot me, or I will shoot you back. (laughs) Like, I do not care. And we took off. Run, dive down, bang, bang, bang. He's running. Dives down, bang, bang, bang. They paired us up with someone we know. Afterwards, they said, now find somebody you don't know. And you're going to do this with them, because you're going to learn how to build trust in a relationship with somebody else, because you may not always be by your battle buddy. Now, the way they do this is because in order to have peace in that situation, when you are fighting a war, when you're moving forward in combat, I cannot be thinking about anything else besides my goal and what I'm going at. I cannot have worrisome. I cannot have trouble. I can't be thinking I'm about to get shot by my own friends. I have to have a relationship with them and trust in them as I'm moving forward. And that's where it starts out that a relationship is what's needed for peace before a hard situation. A relationship is what's needed. Because if you don't have a relationship with your brother to your left or your sister to your right in a firefight, you're not focused. You're ineffective. Things get hard. So you trust the people to your left and right. How to find peace during a situation. This is where most of us resign. This is where the life really gets, when it really hits hard. Because see, I actually have a little ditty and I always give a little ditty just to kind of remember what it looks like. But the ditty is this. How to find peace when your life's in pieces. How to find peace when your life is in pieces. Because you don't have to raise your hand. I know every single person's hand is up, and even online. We've, we've all been in situations where we haven't had peace. We've all been in situations that have just distraught us, that have pushed us back, that have made us unclear. So how do you find peace in a situation? Well, if you're taking notes, I have four points for you. The first one, as always, pray. Always pray. Start with prayer. The Bible makes it very clear. If you ever go into a church and they're telling you that the first thing to do is not prayer, really consider where you're going to church and who you're listening to because the Bible makes it clear that everything starts with prayer. If, where I get this from, there's many verses, but the first one, the low-hanging fruit here is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. I'm just paraphrasing, but it's don't be anxious about anything. Pray about it. Always start with prayer when you're in a situation. Number two, be grateful. Be grateful. And I know what you're already saying, Jordan, how how am I supposed to be grateful when my life's in pieces? How is that supposed to happen? Well, if y'all were here last week, or if you haven't, you can hop online or you can hop on the app. And Pastor Chuck gave a message last week about what it means to not just be thankful, but to be grateful. And to know God is the one who has given you what you have. If you have good times, God has given it. If you have hard times, God has allowed it. Know that if God has brought you good times and now you're in hard times, God can bring good times again. Be grateful for what you have. Because see, if you're not, your heart can go negative. Sure, you might have a car accident. Jordan, I crashed my car. How am I supposed to be grateful in this? Are you, are you breathing? Yeah. But Jordan, you don't understand. Like, I, I don't have any money in the bank. I just got my bills paid. I'm worried about, the, I'm worried about my heat going out. So you got a house? Yeah. There's always something to be grateful for, and you keep your focus on that. Because if you don't keep your focus on what you're grateful for, like I said, your heart goes negative. And when your heart goes negative, everything becomes negative. And when I say everything becomes negative, you start looking at God negative. You start looking at God going, you're the one that brought me this negativity. You must be negative. It can corrupt, very simple. Number three, a state of mind. Keep a state of mind. In Isaiah 26.3, it says this. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Now, like I said earlier, when you're training to go to Afghanistan, you're getting ready to go into a firefight and bullets start coming down range. How effective do you think someone who's fighting a war, whose mind is just gone, whose emotions are wild and crazy and lashing out? Nothing much gets done. You have to keep a state of mind of being able to step back from a situation Breathe, see it for what it is, and know that God is in control. Number four, trust God. He even says it for number three, because they trust in you. So number four, trust God. Know that he is the Prince of Peace. Know that he is the Son of Yahweh. Know that he is the Messiah. Emmanuel, with us. Trust in God, that He has you. Like I said earlier, if He's if He's allowed you to be in bad situations or He's brought you into bad situations, know that it's for you to grow. This time of year is really hard because see, it's we're we're in the holiday season. Thanksgiving, time to give thanks, Christmas, the birth of Jesus, some of the greatest, most joyful times of the year. So they say. In December is the highest month for suicides, for fear and doubt and loneliness to rest upon someone. I don't know about y'all, but This time of year can get really scary when it comes to, I got bills to pay, I got Christmas to give, I gotta travel, airplane tickets are through the roof, groceries are hard, everything is stressful, this part of the family isn't talking because that part of the family, because of somebody said something that was political or religious or about finances, and now it's, it gets hard. And we get down into these situations, and I use this line, and as I was preparing for this sermon, I, man, God brought so many situations in my life where I was, I I was almost said this line as much as I was trying not to. But raise your hand or show of hands, or even if it's in your heart, how many times have you just said, I just need to get through this. I just need to get through Christmas. I just need to get through Thanksgiving. I just need to get through the new year. If I can get through this, peace is on the other side. It's a false lie. You see, what happens is when you're thinking ahead of, I just need to get through this, you're not in the moment. You're not in the growing. You're not in where you find peace because you're just trying to get out of it. You're just trying to remove yourself from a situation instead of finding peace in that. Last week was very nice and relaxing, but the week before that was hard. Because see, what happened was I was on my way to work and I was on my way to work. One of my cars broke down. And so I took that car to the shop. I had a friend come follow me. I went home. I had to go to a meeting with a young adult. So I go home and I get another car. And I head out to my meeting. And on my way to my meeting, my front left caliber seizes up and that car breaks down. So I got to take it to a shop. So now we got my car in the shop, my parents' car that we're borrowing in a shop. And now it's just me and my wife with her car. And on Thursday, I remember I was going to go have Thanksgiving with my son at his lunch. And I remember just driving there, just, Lord, please don't let me crash this. Lord, don't let anything happen. Don't let a car come out of nowhere. Don't let anything break down. I can't have any more problems. And then Friday came around, and we found out that my wife's wallet was stolen, that they maxed out their credit cards, that they drained the bank account into the negatives. And you just look at the situation, and you're just like, okay here we go and I remember we were on our way to a movie we're on we just found out we're on our way to a movie and as I are on our way to a movie my wife is sitting next to me and she's she's dealing with it she was talking with the banks and she just starts laughing I'm like yeah you good babe and she's like I mean it, it is what it is it'll it'll all work out I guess and I got to sit back and in that moment, I get to watch my wife have peace in her heart about a situation that even though she was still frantic about and worried about, I get to see the peace that is in her of it'll, it'll all be okay. We are gonna get through this. And then my son from the back seat, he, uh, he uttered out the words. He was like, well, hopefully whoever stole it really needed it. And we come to find out that the, the tr- charges that were made on the card were all at grocery stores. So maybe it was. But how do you handle these situations? Because freaking out, losing your head, getting emotional, it it doesn't handle the situation. I'm not saying neglect your feelings. Feel them, but stay steadfast in your mind. Know that God is in control. How to find peace after a storm after something happens, after something tragic happens that's unspeakable? Maybe a death in the family, a surgery and there's recovery. How do you find peace after a situation? I remember when I came back from Afghanistan, I got got to be home for a little bit, trying to unwind. They do some things in the military to kind of help you process things. But I remember going to visit my mom And I'll never forget that trip because I'll never forget when my mom looked me in the eyes and said, I sent my son to Afghanistan, but I don't know who came home. I was angry. I was distraught. I had no peace in my heart. I was caught up with the negativity of my life and everything that's going on around me. I was lost. And that's what started my journey to find out what real peace is, how to have peace in these moments with everything that's happened and how to move past that. Because, see, for me, peace isn't something that you can just get. It's not just a natural emotion. It's not just something that appears. It's something that, that can happen, like anger or happiness. Like, those come easy to me. I can get happy. I can get angry. I can get worried. I can get anxious. Peace is something I grasp for. And I don't know why, because for me, peace is the absence of negativity. Fun fact about science, when I was in the Marine Corps, I was a mechanical engineer. I worked on ACs, generators, 5K, SkyTracks, a whole bunch of stuff. I learned one really cool thing, though. I never knew it existed. There's no such thing as cold. It doesn't exist. It's not, a, it's, it's not like it's its own entity. So like parents, when you tell your kids they're summertime and they leave the door open and you say, hey, you're letting the cold air out. It's not an s- actual fact. You're letting the heat in. Because see, cold only is a product because it's the absence of heat. That's it. Cold only exists because heat is displaced. Once heat is away, there cold can resign. You can't just have cold. You have to remove heat. Another thing that happens in our life is with darkness. Darkness is not a real thing. It doesn't exist. It's only what happens when there's no light. When light is gone, then you have darkness. But other than that, darkness doesn't exist. Cold doesn't exist. For me, Peace doesn't exist unless I can remove the negativity and everything that is weighing me down, that's holding me back. When I'm holding on to my financial problems, when I'm holding on to my relationship problems, when I'm holding on to my work problems, when I'm holding on to all these negative things in my life and I'm bringing them with me, I can't find peace in that situation. I have to let them go and give them to God. And that is when I can have peace. Ultimately going through this entire week, couple of weeks of trying to figure out what is peace, a lifetime. I've came to this conclusion. Peace is trust in God before, during and after a situation. Peace is trust in God before, during, and after a situation. That's the only way I've ever been able to find peace. If you find it another way, let me know. Because when I look for it in the temporary way, it comes and it goes. But I know when I'm in a situation or I'm after a situation, or I'm preparing for one. I know if I go into that battle and I have God with me on my side, and I know He's the one sending rounds down range while I'm moving forward, I have nothing but peace. I'm satisfied. I am well. But let me take it a next step further. Peace is knowing God on a relational level. Peace is knowing God on a relational level. It's not just about knowing him in your mind. Because see, there's one entity out there that I always, I said this once, a young adult got mad at me, and they're like, how has you as a pastor ever say that? I'm like, because it's a fact. I don't know everything about God. It's not just about knowing God, because see, Satan knows God intellectually more than I probably ever will. He can quote scripture to him he spent time with him he knows how to recite the verse he knows how to manipulate he knows god mentally very well so it's not just about knowing god mentally but it's about having a relationship with him in your heart because see that's the difference from the head to the heart where we can get lost and where so many people do in that journey to find peace You have to know the relationship in your heart. One of the fruits of the Spirit, as I said, is peace. A fruit of the Spirit is what happens when Jesus resides in you, when you have a relationship with him, when you spend time with him, when you pray to him, when you open up his love letter that he wrote to you, when you worship him, when you set things aside and prioritize him, You can find peace as well in those moments. It's not something that can't be obtained. It is something that you can have, and it's not a temporary peace. It's not something that comes and goes all willy-nilly. It's something that resides in you, and when it resides in you, and when you have it, it can't be plucked away. It can't be taken because you ultimately know where that peace comes from and that peace is from Jesus. And what he gives, it stays in your heart. It's not temporary. It's not false. Know who God is on a relational level. Spend time with him and start your journey for peace. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're just now starting your journey, and you're just now trying to get a relationship with Jesus. Everyone starts somewhere. Or maybe you're in a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you know who he is, but you just feel like things are getting a little stagnant. Rekindle it. Rediscover who Jesus is. If you've ever been married longer than five or seven years, I always hear older relationships tell me, you you have to keep the love alive. You can't just let it die You have to keep romancing, you have to keep spending time, you have to keep loving. Maybe you need to rekindle that love and relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're coming back. Maybe you left the relationship behind. Maybe you need to come back in relationship with Jesus. He's not a bitter ex, he will take you back. He will love you, he will have a relationship with you. If you're looking for peace, Start with getting to know who God is in your heart. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we can just come and open up your word. And Lord, I just, I pray for myself. I pray for everyone here in the seats. I pray for everyone online. That Lord, as we we start this journey for peace of where it is, of where it could be, how do I find it? How do I obtain it? Lord, we can just, we can start with you. Lord, we can just start praying to you. Lord, just asking you, bring peace into my life. Come into my life. Fill me with your presence. Or maybe, maybe we need to just come back to you. Maybe we have the relationship, but we need it again. Lord, I pray for the individuals that are searching for peace, that they won't, have a wool thrown over their head of what false peace is or just follow temporary peace because it's a quick fix but something that doesn't come and something that doesn't go but something that stays inside us, Lord. I pray that we can find this. I pray that, that we can obtain this. I pray for a relationship with you that is unbreakable and has no bounds. Lord, teach us how to follow you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.